Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here again on Friday evening, for those of us here in the, in the States anyway, uh, for the Friday conversation, joined with some, here with some friends. Uh, Michael, do you want to kick us off with an introduction? Tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Michael Clark. You can call me Mike if you like. And uh, I wrote the Patience of a Dead Man trilogy. I've got another one coming out in April. It's called Hell on High from Bridgesgate Press. And um, I'm taking life one day at a time, I suppose. And Wendy? Hi, I'm Wendy Dalrymple, and I write Florida Gothic horror. Um, I actually have a Florida Gothic horror novella called Roger Park that's coming out tomorrow. And I have two others. Um, what we, it's um, White Ibis is a shorter novella, and then uh, They Come From the Water is also, they're all tied together, they're standalone, but they all have similar themes. Awesome. And Laurel? Um, I'm Laurel Hightower. I write horror um, and have a small child. You may know me as Tiny's mom. Uh, and much other than that, I just drink bourbon and sometimes injure myself. <laughs> I want to ask you about that here in a minute. Uh, and Wendy, tell us about uh, Roser Park. Uh, what can we expect from it? Yeah, it's um, it's a sort of a modern gothic story, um, and and it's. Uh, set in nearby Roser Park. Uh, I live in Tampa Bay, Florida, and there, there's a neighborhood called Roser Park that this story is based off of. Um, and it centers a woman who's just been divorced, and she's got a dog-sitting job that is kind of too good to be true. Um, and ghosty stuff happens, and real-life scary stuff happens, and it's just kind of a, a good representation, I think, of the things that I like to look for in books. And it's a lot of fun. It's really good. It's a lot of fun to read. And Laurel was very kind to read it for me and, and do a blurb for me. And I was very grateful for that. <laughs> no, it was really, really good. And also, I want to pick up your, uh, I don't mean to derail you, but you have a, ha a Halloween romance. I do. I'm, I'm, I'm also a romance author. And so I, I was a little crazy and I had a romance release today and I have a horror release tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, um, it's called My Halloween Romance and that came out today. And that one's actually based in Fort Myers, Florida, where the hurricane just happened, um, based on a lot of places I grew up in. And just um, it's just a fun Halloween story. You have two books coming out at the same time? One today and one tomorrow, yes. Wow. But yeah, like there's a whole deal between. That's just how I do it. You know how it is when you're self-published. Going on like two years or whatever, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Laurel, I don't know how you blurb everything and you're on all these podcasts i don't know how, how do you write i mean where do you find the time um i'm well i mean it's been a it's been a lot easier since i went part-time um in may of 2021 like right before we were going to go back to the office i was kind of like so this whole being yeah. in the office eight hours thing is that negotiable <laughs> um and it turns out it was so uh so i work from one to six now and that means I get to hang out with my son until about 10. I drop him off at daycare. And then depending on what else I've got going on, I usually write about, I have about 30 to 90 minutes a day for writing. So hmm. you would think I'd actually get more done given that this. 30 minutes. Is, it takes me like 30 minutes to like think about, you know, like to get in that <laughs> mindset. I don't know. I, well, ask my husband. I'm always thinking about something else. So like, I mean, I do that head writing when he's telling me important things. You know, like where the wills are kept, or you know, <laughs> that 
that kind of thing. So I'll, I'll be host if anything happens, but I know what I'm going to write my next chapter. Dang it. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so, Wendy, is it hard to switch back and forth between genres like romance and horror, or is it pretty seamless for you? I'm, uh, yeah, it's for me. I feel like it's it's easy because it might not seem like obvious on the surface, but horror and romance, I feel, are very connected. Like they're the opposite mm -hmm. sides of the coin. Um, you deal with a lot of the same emotions in your writing. A lot of the same, like you know, fluttering heartbeats. A lot of the same things that are I feel interconnected. Um, and for me, it's good, too, because it helps me balance out. Like, if I've written something very intense, I can go and write something super cute and ridiculous. And and it helps it helps me to balance out. I feel like I'm always fresh with what I'm writing that way. How many I, I like, words do you write a day? Oh, sorry, Laura. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm also mostly full-time writing at home. I also do freelance copywriting and other stuff like that. And so I'm fortunate enough to be able to devote most of my time to doing this. So if I, if I can write 2,000 words a day, that's a good day usually. That's a really good day. It's a great day. And I, I really agree um, about the horror and the romance really going hand in hand. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that a, a romance needs to be shoehorned into every single story ever, but I like it and it's there um yeah. it's i and i i mean i feel like it's one of those things that like ups the stakes a lot you know and kind of just gives because i think a lot of readers enjoy like a romance element of it so yeah and and i think i'm finding that there are so many people that read in more than one genre like they don't just read one genre so a lot of people are like they read both things for me and they enjoy both things for me. So as long as I see that that's happening, I'm going to keep offering it, I guess. Plus I don't have the energy to do a pen name. It's just, this is me. This is what I do. Here it is. You know, you What's go through like pub presses and stuff, or do you, or do you just self publish or, or yeah, um, a few different things. So um, I have a contract with scribd.com. I don't know if you're familiar with scribd. They're an online library that you can uh, subscribe to, and they have mostly ebooks and audiobooks. And so I'll be contracted by them to write either a horror or a romance novella, and then they'll produce the audiobook, and then I'll have the rights to publish paperback. And then a year later, I get my rights reverted back to me to publish the book. And so that's how that works with a lot of my stuff. I also have um, some short stories and other presses. Um, I have an upcoming romance with Wild Rose Press that's coming out. And then I have another one that I have that hasn't been in a, um, announced yet coming out with another small press, a horror novella coming up soon. And then I do a lot of other, like Rosa Park is completely self-published by me. White Ibis is completely self-published by me. So I'm, I'm all over the map. I like to just experiment and work with different people. Wow. Uh, what's the benefit of using a pen name? Um, I think perhaps for like people that want to have more, well, for one thing, privacy is the issue with a lot for a lot of people. Um, and then if you have different genres that you write in, I think a lot of times, especially with self-published, it's easier for the algorithm to pick up. If you like this, then you're going to be, they should warn you into this, this, and this. And so that's why typically people have one pen name for each genre they write, but I'm, I can't figure out the algorithm anyway. So I'm just not even going to try. 
Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, like self-publishing and stuff is so, like, every time I, I've, I've done three books, and then finally, I, this next one is going to be through, through uh, a, a press, and I don't think I'm going to go back to self-publishing. I just, it's just so much to it. It's so much work, and there's like a checklist that I went through the other day, and I was like, oh my god, I remember that, and and a lot of it costs money too, like to promote it or whatever. So, I don't know, like it's just a lot of work to to get it all out there and and you need to continue to do it too because like the book launch lasts for you know 90 days if you're lucky and then it kind of like you know goes down after that but i don't know to keep it going over time i i have no experience with it i just i don't think i have the patience to to become a master at amazon ads or something like that hmm. there's a lot a lot to it and mike you probably have, have you been listening to bleeding page podcast yeah i like that i a lot. hate keep i hate to pump anything by jason grant just kidding right but, me um, too i don't like him either <laughs> <laughs> i love jason but um so do but, I. Uh, but it's really it's really been interesting and i don't i don't self-publish um in, in large part because of the work that you guys are talking about like it's like you know, I have buddies who self-publish and they're like, you're giving away such a huge chunk of your control and your money. And I'm like, I know, but I'm also, I know myself. I could say yeah. like, yes, I'll do these things and I will half-ass it all the hell and back. Yeah. And it just if you won't... don't kick and scream, they don't see you, you know, it's all up to yeah. you. And, and I don't know, it's, sorry to cut you off, but. No, yeah. no, you, you didn't, you're you're good. But it's it was very eye-opening to me. Um, the folks that they have on there and, and the information that they provide with respect to. I love that they ask those questions at the end about what's the most effective thing you've done for marketing and what's the thing that mm -hmm. you would tell people to never do. Um, and that's just, I feel like, again, I feel like anybody could kind of benefit from it in particular, if you, you know, if you go back and forth or if you're, you know, considering doing that sort of thing, it's, it's very eye opening because I mean, self-publishing is not the easy route. That no. is the hard route. That is the yeah. seriously hard route. And it's usually through Amazon too. So yeah. like I tried to get a book bub, which I still don't really fathom what like, people say that that's the, so that's a lot of the, those, uh, those final questions of the bleeding page. Like somebody said, one of the best things was getting a book bub. It's like you pay, I don't know, $400 or something, and then you get it all back. It's like great exposure. Um, but I don't know, just to like lately on Twitter too, like we've, we've been seeing a bunch of, uh, folks that are get like you, uh, have, have your books in Barnes and Noble, you know, yeah. lots of them, Eric Larosa, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I know, yeah, it's cool. I mean, but I would never being self-published on Amazon be in a Barnes and Noble, you Did know, you have, I'm just curious. Cause I don't, I don't really know, but I've noticed that. Well, I guess because I was thinking it was I guess it was Brianna Morgan who maybe moved all her stuff over to Ingram and was mm -hmm. like immediately chance with chance down at the Barnes and Noble um, in Bowling Green, who, by the way, I think is single handedly responsible for like a renaissance of horror in bookstores. That's what oh, it yeah. feels like. Um, but he was able to get it like immediately. So it yeah. might be worth I'm giving people self-pub advice and I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. So I'm going to be quick. <laughs> well, you're I'm definitely in the pub in the process of trying to purchase ISBNs, get on Ingram, and that costs a lot of money. So I'm yeah. kind of in the savings stage of doing that, and then I can then I can think. But then beyond that, you need to be able to 
encourage booksellers to to carry your book. And so it's just it's just marketing and 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 you know who you know and and who you get to talk to. But well, yeah, all presses are better than others at getting mm-hmm. the the books mm-hmm. in the bookstores. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't know, like, some you see in the bookstores and some you don't. Um, I'm just kind of like noticing all this recently, so it's it's interesting. It is, and I'm, I I'll be interested, Mike, in your in your experience with it on the, you know, as far as like because I would I would expect to see yours the the new one through Bridget's Gate. I would imagine. I mean, they they're set up to be distributed in bookstores, aren't they? Well, I've I've had like a Zoom meeting with them, and I thought it was mm-hmm. great. I mean, everything was I was impressed. Like Heather is like a motivated person. Mm-hmm. and um I, like she didn't have to sell me on anything and she did and i was like wow you know she's got ambition uh and they i don't know if you've seen but they, they're signing a bunch of people um so I, I was like happy to be involved with them i left that zoom meeting um feeling pretty good but they're busy you know i haven't had much exposure with them so i don't know anything about like their dis- distribution or anything like that so you know we'll see you know but um so far so good that's it's so there are so many and and this is one of the things Steve, Steve like seriously like I part part of the reason I love what you do um, is because I feel like in prior eras writers weren't always able to have these conversations with each other because it's like I mean how the hell do we know what's up if we're not like so what was your experience with this you know like how like the, I just feel like all this is like super helpful it's like I learned so much with it oh, cool. <laughs> yeah and I I, was, I watched a couple of your shows like some of the recent ones to get ready for this. And <laughs> I see you sitting back, like not saying anything. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to, you know, <laughs> be a big part of this thing. <laughs> and I don't even know what we're talking about. So, uh, but and then the guys were talking about grim dark and stuff. I had to look up grim dark and <laughs> one guy wrote a half a million words and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Dear yeah. Lord. Yeah. That's a lot of words. Half a million words. Oh, you know what? It just occurred to me though. I've probably done that because Silent Key in its first iteration was like 197,000 words. Wow. Like I saw you uh, cut 80,000 words out, right? Didn't you say that? that? Oh, well, more than that. Cause now it's like from the, be- from the very beginning, the very first draft of it, it's down to 88. So I cut over a hundred thousand words on it. And yeah, my goal know. is to write 80 for a novel. Like I, I'd love to, like, I like a nice, book and I, I don't know if i'm a novella guy or but but i aim for 80 and you cut 80 so i was like damn <laughs> yeah well i was kind of giving myself a way too much rain here and okay this is where the romance comes into it too a big part of silent key is like i created this couple and like i just fell in love with them and with their love so like there's there's this there was this just enormous unnecessary stretch of like you know and i even like <laughs> i had one section where it literally said at the beginning Nothing much happened. And then 50 fucking pages. And I was like, wow, I even said it in the manuscript. And then I just went ahead and did that. So editors are your friend. Well, that's a talent, though, to be able to, you know, I mean, at least you're getting it all out and they can choose what they want to see. Right. You know, that's well, you know and the character better than anybody. Yeah. And it's, I will say one of these things. So like, so Ryan Lewis, who is, I don't, I don't have a literary agent anymore, but I, but my media agent is Ryan Lewis has been a black yarn and he's absolutely amazing. And he really has a gift for like 
he asked me what I loved the most that I was working with, you know, and I, I was like, well, it's this. And so he took a look at it. And um, at that point, I think it was like close to 130,000 words. And he was able to do what no one else up to that point had been able to do. He was able to say like, this is where the halfway point should be. So you need, you know, this is where your impetus is. And he told me like, you know, you need to, one of the really helpful things was he's like, you need to make a list of all these strings that you've got, like all these plot points, and then you need to see what you can cut. And um, it was really, really helpful. I rewrote the whole thing from the ground up. Um, but with so that, it's a just movie? He's tighter. a movie producer, right? Or, or like- he is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's one of those things you never know. You know, like you get uh, emails every so often from people who seem really excited, and then you hear nothing else, and, you know, all yeah. those kind of things. Paul Tremblay, like, went through a lot before he got what he got, right? Like, didn't he have yeah. Robert Downey Jr.'s company, like, in, interested? And then I heard something about um, uh, Brian Keene. Like, he, he's had, um, what's the, the the famous zombie novel? He's going to see this. The, the Rising? Yeah. yeah. It's been optioned six times. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like, wow, this is what, you know, I'm getting into, you know, and, and I even bought a book. It's called something like Hollywood versus the author, because that's my goal. I'd love to have a, a movie made out of my stuff, you know, um, but it's so hard. It's so difficult. And, and there are like the woman that wrote the woman in black. I, I can't think of her name. She's bankrupt. Really? Yeah. Like she didn't get a lot of money out of that because Hollywood accounting, they will fix it so there's no profit yeah you know mm. i don't know if i'm yeah. getting off on a tangent here but no i think it's that's just one of those interesting things too um i don't know if you all subscribe to max boots um foolish times um newsletter but it's interesting because he especially in his most recent one he really went into some detail about how the options work and how they're how the amount is calculated and what that means with respect to what you would get if it's actually made and I just, I just think all of that is really interesting, but it's, you know, it's just something I, and I'll, this is probably one of these things I shouldn't say, but it's like, who else was deeply annoyed to see the trailer for Paul Tremblay's book and not even have him referenced? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. my blood boiled. And and it's the same story. And it says written by M. Night Shyamalan. Which is. Yeah bullshit like he adapted it and later when he's like oh yeah um also by the way this was a uh, it was inspired by a book i was like yeah. bitch it's inspired by if you saw like a cool picture and you wrote a story about it you took existing ip yeah i'm really sorry i still like to work with you mr Shaman, he made the title worse <laughs> they did make the title worse yeah i mean but he can still make my movie if he wants to that's what i'm saying i'm like we can still be friends <laughs> it's okay shame on you but uh i'm my, yeah. my phone number. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will help you yeah. with your conscience. Yeah. Change so the name of do you all think that you write cinematically subconsciously? Because I've seen some some talk about how some some readers think that books are read to written read to written today with the intent of becoming films, and that's not what I do as an author. I write to write a book, but also I've grown up with nothing but cinema and media in my face and so i wonder if like if i read a good book i immediately want to see it made into a good movie if it's something i really enjoy and i wonder if that's something that's in 
in contemporary writers, just like background psyche of just like writing cinematically. Go ahead, Laura. Do you have an answer? I do, but I'll wait. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I'm in the same boat, Wendy. Like I, um, I don't generally consciously do so. Um, I will say that that I I got asked uh, by somebody that I spoke to in kind of in that field, in that realm. And they were like, Hey, this is the kind of tone of thing that I'm looking for. And this would be like, you know, not necessarily the beats of it, but like the mood of it and things like that. Um, And so that sometimes when I'm considering what to work on next, I take that into consideration, but usually gets pushed to the back burner because what usually happens is like, I have this idea. This is the thing I want to work on right now, you know? And then like, I, I go, and then later I'm like, Oh, Ryan's going to kill me. I did it again. I just wrote the, (laughs) I just wrote what was in my head, you know? So what what about you, Mike? That's a good problem to have. (laughs) Um, No, I definitely like, I'm the guy that sees soon to be a major motion picture on the cover. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to buy that now because I want to get my own impression and then compare it to the movie. Like I didn't read Jurassic Park until I saw that on the cover and Silence of the Lambs. I I read in like a day and a half because I had tickets. You know, I didn't have tickets, but I was going to go on Friday night or whatever. So that's my favorite experience to read a book just before the movie comes out and, and then to see the movie. And the only reason I didn't write a screenplay is because I didn't think anybody would read it you know so i wrote i always thought i i I was okay with like prose or whatever so i was like you know what i'm just gonna write it write a book you know and and then um my model was andy weir who wrote the martian you know he totally got lucky and and uh he had like a a blog or something and and he had a bunch of followers and then all of a sudden ridley scott's making his movie and matt damon's in it and whatever so I knew that wouldn't happen, but I'm thinking that, you know, that's what I want, that kind of thing. So I'm definitely, I, I think of the movie first, I think, actually, before the book. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always read growing up, but I only read Stephen King. I tried a Dean Koontz. I didn't really like it. I'm pretty picky. And um, I think I, I don't even think I tried Clive Barker. Um, so I'm very, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm well read, um, but I am who I am, I suppose. So compared to you guys who like, you know, who Cthulhu is and all this stuff. And I had to look up what, uh, um, well, what's the name of the guy that, that did, um, oh, uh, Lovecraftian. I didn't, I'm like, what's oh, Lovecraftian? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to look that stuff up. Well, cosmic horror, I had no idea what that I had was. to look that like, up too. Cosmic yeah, horror. Like, I got asked me? on a podcast or something. I was like, tentacles. That is what it means. Like that's what I've got. I don't. I, I still <laughs> don't think I really understand it. But, but you know, on the flip side of that, Mike, as far as like the influences go and how you think of that, um, it's interesting because I feel like it's only been relatively recently that I have kind of started looking at film and TV as like really analyzing it in the same way that I do with books, you know, like in, like I often have read something and been like, Oh, I like this effect. I like what this elicited in me, you know, I'm interested in trying to elicit something similar, you know, and, and that kind of thing. But I never really looked at films that way. I just let it be very, very passive. Um, But there is an enormous amount to be learned from that. Um, 
because you know it's it's there are two different forms of art there are two different forms of media but you're still you know the goal in a certain amount in writing is to is i don't know that you necessarily need to have jump scares um but yeah. to to have those very strong reactions um and and yeah i don't I don't know. That's been something interesting. I don't. I don't think it necessarily puts you at a disadvantage, Mike. Like to you know to look at the film side of it first. I think that's. I think that's a big part of where the industry is headed. Yeah, I just felt like maybe I uh, like I don't. I, I really don't have a a clue as to like my pros compared to other people's. Like I don't know who I would compare myself to. Um, it's. I don't know that it's up to par even, you know, the prose part. Like I, some people are character driven and some are story driven and that kind of thing. And I, I kind of feel like the way I entered the writing world was through a story. I had a, you know, an outline from beginning to end. And I think of that first before I think of, um, you know, the flowery language and that kind of thing. So I don't think, I don't think I'm a writer at heart, I guess. I don't know if that makes any sense. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think that there's definitely some people that appreciate more flowery or ornate language. And like for me personally, I like to write accessibly and I like to, I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love 25 cent words and I love, I love to really play with language. But at the end of the day, I think for me, I like to write accessibly so that people can can get through it fast. Like I like, yeah. I like to I like to read fast paced. And if you are questioning what I'm writing, questioning the meaning of what I'm writing, then that's gonna stop you. And I and so like that's that's my preference for for the way I write and a lot of the times for the way I read too. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, writers like I remember uh, Gone Girl. I didn't really I, I couldn't get into it the way she wrote um the the flowery language of the diary entries and stuff i don't know if you read that but this is before i got into the horror community now i have a stack of books from people i know and i'm buried in books but i used to like pick a book <laughs> a year or two books a year and and that was one that i read and and um i'm like oh man this is so hard to to engage with kind of a thing just just her prose was a little bit off for me but um yeah i don't know like I guess I'm more visual, I suppose. Well, and I think in the same way that, yeah, Wendy, I would agree that, I mean, just from, from what I've read, your style is, it's very accessible. It's very like, you know, able to like immediately get into it and immediately want to know what's happening next and be carried along with it. Um, and Mike, whether or not you're a writer at heart, I think you're certainly a storyteller at heart. So, I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. I feel like in a lot of ways you're, horror is that same level of accessible because it's very um it's very like every man because it's like it's not some gifted you know and guilty whispers in the dark totally did the gifted girl thing but you know um it's not that it's somebody who is just like a normal like everyday person and a lot of times that is a, a really good way to get you know to to draw in readers to not feel like they're removed several steps from it you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and you certainly included elements of, of romance in yours as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I fumbled through that as I fumble through my real romance. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, the, the, my story dealt with a guy that had just gone through a divorce and I did borrow a lot of 
real life examples. Um, but uh, so, yeah, there was a little bit of frustration coming out with uh, my main character. So Which it, I, I think that's what helps with authenticity, too, mm. you know. And that, and that's a very human experience. There's a there's a huge percentage of the population um, of readers and, and everyone else who've had that experience, and so that's something that people can kind of look at and, um, you know, and I, I never like I never hold it. Well, I don't hold reviews against anybody. Period. Uh, I just that's a big thing with me. I'm just like I think you should be able to say what you want. Like if you want to go on your review and say like this is the worst writer in the world. Like she's terrible. She should never you know, I, that's fine. We can still be friends. Um, but you know, one thing is like, I will sometimes notice like, and it'll come from like very, very young people. And they'll be like, I just don't understand why this woman would make these decisions, why she'd be worried about this. And I'm like, and I don't want to be patronizing and say like, well, wait till you've been married for, you know, wait till you have kids or whatever. Cause it's not about that, but it is like, I can recall reading certain books when I was much younger before I you know, had, had experienced certain situations and being like, I just don't know why anyone would give up any autonomy. And why would you do this? And this is dumb. Like I would leave. And it's like, I'm like 40. I'm like, no, you probably wouldn't. Honestly. I mean, I hope you do. Yeah. I had a criticism and I knew it was from a young person that, um, he, my main character buys a house to fix up and then he meets, he starts dating the real estate agent and they get something going. So he takes her out to dinner. But he's complaining about money the whole time, not during the dinner, but like that he put all everything he owned into the house. And somebody wrote something like, if he's so, you know, worried about money, why does he go out to dinner every night? I'm like, well, because, you know, $100,000 is a lot more than $25. <laughs> also, sex. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, like if you got something going on with a date, you're going to. You're going to pursue that no matter if you have money or not. You know, you're going to put all your money into that. But, yeah, I think they missed the point on he was Morgan. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I know what you mean about the whatever yeah. generation and, reads it. And I and I don't I certainly hope that doesn't come off as like dismissive of it because every reader brings their own life experience to it. And and like I said, I definitely you know had those moments. And there's still there will be books that I read that I will look at decisions that a character makes and I'm like, yeah. Even at this age, I don't think so, uh, you know, mm. but but it's also part of what you see is that characters and I guess my thing is my responsibility as the writer is to develop the character in such a way that you go along with it, you know. Mm. So it's if I haven't justified that, if I haven't created a backstory or um, a situation in which uh, that makes sense, then, you know, that's that's on me. So. Mm. I find myself writing every book and I'm on my fifth now, like I, this is four and then um, I'm writing another one. They're all set in the, in the seventies because of technology. Like I think mm. like having a cell phone, you're kind of like, you're never alone, you know, like I, and, and maybe I'm phasing out that younger generation kind of a thing They they, they can't imagine what it was like in 1971 or whatever. I was nine at the time or whatever. No, I was five. I was five. But uh, so, like, yeah, I just find myself, I'm still writing, even though it has nothing to do with the other stories uh, in that era, in that uh, time period because of, of technology. Like, I think in horror, if you're like those movies, uh, 
you know, unfriended or whatever. Like <laughs> I laugh. I see the title and I'm laughing. I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid of that. I don't know. Maybe the younger generation is, but the technology well, like, connected. Like um, one of the things I miss about having regular like televisions, the jump scare that you could get in old movies where it wasn't a matte flat screen TV you turn it off and oh there's somebody behind you in the reflection you know <laughs> like like just those little things that have changed in our technology um yeah. that you know could have been used for a device right right and the thing with the, the cell phone is oh your battery ran out it's like so cliche you know it's like i you got to you can't have your battery run out to 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 write the scary scene you know like just don't have the cell phone I don't know. Cell phone gets smashed. You leave it behind. Yeah. You know, I mean, try to think of a new way to get rid of the technology for your scary scene, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't want to go like, oh, the battery's dead. Okay, buddy. The car won't start. I get it. <laughs> I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm this weird mix of like very half-assed and last minute and very anal retentive about preparation. So like, some of the stuff I'm like, I can't believe that you would not have gotten that checked with the mechanic before going on this trip. I can't believe you didn't air up your tires. Yeah. This is all ridiculous. Like, you know, kind of. Just You've had to it. think all this through when you write. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, Steve, oh. so you do. I've seen you. Oh, and I'm sorry. You were no, getting ready ahead. to actually get a word in it. Steve, <laughs> Steve, are you still here? <laughs> no, I'm not. And, you know. Nobody, to, nobody watches to hear what I have to say. They want to see all of you. So that's why I don't say much. But uh, no, what was your question, Laurel? Well, I was curious because I, I listened on some of your other Friday talks and I know you talked to Do you do all all genres? Or I know the one I listened to was like fantasy. Um, so I was curious whether you were seeing that kind of, I'm assuming that means you, you're a fantasy reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you see, I mean, do you see these same kind of, I don't know, like cinematic or... Uh, all, all these same kind of things going on with that. Because what I, what I was thinking too is like fantasy is so interesting because you can just build the world around it, you know, but then also yeah. you have to build the whole world. So yeah, you have to build it all in, but I think fantasy is a little different because with a, something with fantasy, the the budget to get optioned is probably a lot more than it is for mm. oh, yeah. like a horror movie. Cause you can make a low budget horror movie and make a ton of money. So it's, it's a different scale. It's, it's a lot more of an investment to make, to, adapt a horror a fantasy story than it would be a horror story so yeah and costumes that. alone yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and castles and dragons. and dragons yeah and special effects and yeah uh, there's always a thousand people in it so that's another thing you can make a a great low budget horror movie with three people in one location i mean that's yeah. the movie during a pandemic that's yeah. yeah with an Just, iphone i know it's ridiculous unfriended <laughs> I <Blocked>. some <laughs> I have to say some of those movies like some of them are actually pretty good. There was one that I watched not long ago, um See Me or See For Me, which was like about an app. Mm -hmm. And that was actually pretty good. Um, um most of the time when I see these things, it strikes me as like these very out of touch, out of like touch execs being like, "What? What are the kids doing today? What's an app? Let's make a let's make a movie about." Because I didn't even bother watching. Maybe it was good, but there was like this movie that came out called That Awkward Moment, but it came out like two years after that was a thing. And I'm like, guys, 
this kind of cultural stuff moves too fast for you to yeah. be putting it through these major studios. Like by the time you do it, you know, no one says that anymore. So. Yeah. And, I don't know. Like she's not that into you or is it what he's not that into you, that movie. And they talk about, you know, you have to cancel your date on so many. <laughs> oh, we lost him. He was so annoyed about the apps. He just yeah. bounced oh, right out. Did I bounce out? Yeah. That's where the horror movie starts. See? Uh-oh. Uh -oh. You've, you've been unfriended. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, was, Everybody uh, got rearranged on my screen now. Yeah, now up. you're in the lower corner instead of the top corner. Yeah, Yeah. Wendy's first now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all of my non-horror friends that don't read horror, they always ask me, what is the appeal of horror? Why do you like reading about these horrible things? So I wanted to ask all of you, uh, Wendy, if you can go first, what's the appeal of horror to you? Why do you enjoy horror? Sure. Um, I think my answer to that's probably going to be a lot of other horror readers' answers, and it's to, to like help process the things that scare me, um, and to help me like in a very accessible and safe way touch the things that scare me. I guess um, you know, you can open up a book and read something scary, but it's not the same as actually walking down a dark path in the middle of the forest at night and seeing kind of, uh, what do they call it? Uh, by osmosis, get the experience. Um, yeah. So that's, I don't like to be scared in real life. I just like to read it, experience it from the safety of my couch. <laughs> what about you, Laurel? I think, Definitely there's that element of it. I think it's like, and it's something that I hadn't really thought about a whole lot until the last couple of years, but like, yeah, it's, you know, cause I think that the question really arose a lot during the pandemic when people were like, why, you know, would you want, it's uh, everything's so depressing. Why are you going to pursue like going down that road? But it is, it's a, it's a safe way to experience. And, and it's not, you know, it's not the real life stuff that you're dealing with. It's, it's things that are a whole lot more aesthetically interesting, I guess. And there's just elements of it. I read, I, I read a really cool little like meme, like cartoon thing that was talking about um, why it, why it's important for children to like within their comfort zones, if they're interested in it, like, you know, watch horror, read horror, like to an extent, and part of it had to do with, they were talking about like, look, it doesn't help a kid. Like they know there's not a Tyrannosaurus outside their window. They know this but they're afraid of something. And if all you do in response is come in and say, you know, there's no Tyrannosauruses, turn off the light, go to bed. You haven't helped them. But if you give them something like, well, the Tyrannosaurus can't reach you because you know, their arms are too short or, uh, you know, like just like give them something that is a, something that they can do. Like, well, they can never come in if you do this particular dance. You know, if you river dance across the room, then they're unable to get in, you know, and it gives them, in, it gives them power, you know, and it helps them process those things. And that really struck me because I felt like, you know, it does for me too, because there's certain types of horror that I'm not real into. And I think it's because it hits too close to home. Um, it's something I can, I can, that instead of being an escape, it's more of a, oh, this is a subject I've really been trying not to think about, you know, for however long. Um, I just read The Girl Next Door or, or read half oh. of it. I, I couldn't finish it. I, you know, it was brave. too real. No, I, I put it down. I, I couldn't. You know, it's just not fun. You know, I mean, it was so well written. I'll probably read something else that he's done. Um, but Jack Ketchum. But, uh, you know, it was based on a real life event, but it's just too real. You know, and yeah. 
I, I actually went online and I read like a synopsis so I could find out what happened. Um, but I cheated on that one. I had to. I just that's not the kind of stuff I want to write or or read, you know. It, but he's a great writer. Yeah. And that's, I think, why I really love that there's so much um, breadth of genre and, and different, you know, different ways to experiencing it, because I think it should be an inclusive, you know, thing that and that people should get to experience it on their terms. And like, I have to say, like, that, you know, the part of horror, what I'm looking to invoke is more like that delicious thrill, like not yeah. the existential dread necessarily, but more like the you know, mid-October, you step outside at dusk and you see all the Halloween decorations and maybe you go to a haunted house that you know is perfectly safe, but you get, you just get the aesthetics of it. And, and like there's, I don't know, there's a feeling there that I, that I like trying to recapture with it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, the fun part too. Um, I kind of go off of a gut feeling. Like if I watch it, you know, a documentary or whatever, whatever, sometimes being in a, in a place will, will set it off. Like, um, I've been to a lot of places where something bad happened and I don't know, it's kind of sick, but I went to where to, um, you know, Dealey Plaza where Kennedy was shot and I got to like, you know, see the window that Lee Harvey Oswald was. I got to see the lay of the land and you know, how far away the car was. I, 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 I went to, ground zero in like early 2002 mm -hmm. um the buildings around were still scarred um there's a bunch of other places too i just can't think right off the top of my head but i can feel this this like butterflies kind of thing um mm -hmm. i was also watching um a documentary about um the golden state killer on um on hbo uh, i think it's i'll be gone in the dark and this guy was a serial rapist and I don't not a big fan of rape and I don't, you know, like to write about it or anything like that um, or, or get into it, I guess. But um, this guy, he just just the thing some people think about, like I, I was watching this thing and I got like this chill because he was so creepy. He he would break into a couple's home and then put the husband on his stomach and take a pile of dishes and put it on his back and say, if you move, I'm going to kill you and your wife. But, and then he'd go take the woman away, you know? So what do you do? I mean, like I've, I'm watching that and I'm thinking that is like totally, totally sick, but so effective. Like I, I could put myself in the guy's shoes, you know? And then they, there were survivors of this guy, like real life survivors. Um, most of them were dead or divorced. Um, like the couples never, only one couple made it, you know, like they still made it together and they were so cute together. But the horror of, of that was so, I felt it. And when I feel something like that, I try to find a way to turn it into something. Although I don't want to write about a serial rapist. You know what I mean? Like I have to feel like a, like butterflies. I need that, that, um, that inspiration um, that I could turn it into a story. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it's, it's sort of harnessing that, that feeling of fear again, that, you know, that you want to elicit that you might've seen elsewhere, experienced elsewhere. Um, one thing I've been kind of experimenting with wanting to do lately is like, 
and it's so ambiguous, but um, there are certain songs that give me such like deep, like sorrow or like horror with it. And I'm like, I want to write the story that gives the feeling that that song gives to me when I listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it too. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. Like Chris Cornell, I was a big fan of his or still am. And then he committed suicide. And then after he committed suicide, I start listening to the lyrics, you know, and I thought they were all just like, you know, grunge lyrics written for the money kind of a thing. And then I realized, oh my God, this guy was depressed. And there are so many songs in there that you could pick phrases out and know that he meant them. And it's makes yeah. it a, takes it to another level. You know, there's something that he felt that was just so dark. Um, you know, he, it's, it's a sad thing, but it, it does inspire you in some way to, you know, turn it into something beautiful or something that people will like, you know, if possible. Yeah, because I, I think part of the success, you know, there's a lot of ways to measure success. Um, and but I feel like one of the one of the most meaningful ones to me is when a writer like genuinely connects or a, re a reader genuinely if they can be a writer too but you know somebody who reads it and genuinely connects with something that I've written you know they send me a message and say like this was my experience and it was cathartic to see this on the page or you know like I felt seen by this um because I don't like none of my characters are me like that's not like Laurel on the page but all of them have part of me all of them have you know something that I've experienced or they're working through something like whether I mean to or not I'm like an accidental feminist and like everything that I do, I'll be like, I'm going to write a straightforward creature feature. No, I'm not. <laughs> I just don't seem to be capable of that stuff. You must've had a lot of that for Crossroads. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, and that was not something I really thought like a whole lot about. I just wrote something that was, you know, that I um, just kind of put myself in her shoes a lot and, you know, try to put that out there, but yeah, speaking of things you try not to think about very much, that was yeah, definitely something a lot of I, people. Yeah, that was a that shied was away from yeah. a lot. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Well, what do you? So, oh no, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying with Crossroads, I I wanted to read it for so long, but I knew what the subject matter was, and my oldest son is learning how to drive, so I was like, nope, I gotta wait. I gotta <laughs> I'd be ready for this one because I know what it's about. And so I was I waited until I was in the right place to read it and I'm glad I did. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. I wouldn't want to read it. I don't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what uh, do you Chris, if you no. Oh, go, oh, I'm going to oh, stop. Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Uh, just Chris said, there's no one way, there's no one style that works. Can you imagine the person that first <clears throat> excuse me, was asked to give King feedback? Right. His style is very much his own, to me at least. Yeah. Very true. Hmm. Probably Somebody easier. Asked too if, I, if I even, um, Chad Lutsky, not a big fan of rape, Michael Clark. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Context matters, Chad. <laughs> well, somebody asked if I read Peter Straub, or, or I don't know if they're asking me, but yeah, I did. I read Ghost Story back when I was a kid, when it came out. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted it to be, to be more ghosty, to be honest with you. And I am picky, and, and I've been criticized for being picky. So uh, that's my answer on Peter Straub. 
have you read um because it's a it's a collaboration with Stephen King. Did you read Talisman or Talisman or the Black House? No. Black House? No, and I read Stephen King from let's say. Uh, I know I read Firestarter. Let's walk backwards. I don't know what's before that. I think my first one was The Shining, and then I, then The Stand. I read Night Shift. So those are probably my first three, and then I I read The Tommy Knockers and It. I think It was my last one because I thought it was too long, and I know It has like blown up, and it's everybody's favorite book, but that's the reason I stop reading Stephen King just it was just you know so long I don't know like it, it, he, he goes and he goes and he goes um, I'll just shut up now because I know I'm in the minority <laughs> no you're not <laughs> oh. it made you know the movies were like I like the first movie I liked how they split it into two and everything um, but uh, you know it, it, it was, the second one was so long too you know it was just Okay, okay, okay. I yeah. I mean, and I think one of these things is my attention span has changed. I used to like glory in like the longer the better in large part because I was a very fast reader um and I only knew like maybe five or six authors that I would enjoy like and I would try all kinds of stuff. But I think like you, I was like really picky with stuff. I was like, Ugh, you know, and and so it was like, oh, thank God, a 5,000 page Stephen King novel. This will keep me busy for a full week, you know. But it's like the more that I have going on, the more I'm like, I'm sorry, is that over 100 pages? Mm, I don't know what I can get to that. I'm, I'm the same. That's, sorry, I, sorry. I, I, I think that's why a lot of people are gravitating toward novellas these days uh, when in horror. And that, you know, it's just... Like, yeah, when I was younger, I went for the biggest, you know, doorstopper I could find. But now, like, if I can sit down and read something in one to two sittings, that's my preference. Yeah. Yeah, we're oh, the TikTok yeah. generation. I'm not the TikTok generation. No, no, no. But we're in it. Like, you know, oh, they're, yeah. they're coming up. They're, you know, yeah. they, this, the attention span is even shorter. I mean, I, I, I was in a like a gym class and there was a young girl in the gym class and she's like, you guys like going to the movies? I hate the movies. I'm like, what? You know, like they don't want to sit through a movie, you know, or pay. Did, has she movie. tried popcorn? Because honestly, <laughs> that's why I'm there. <laughs> I don't know. The movie's a bonus. Like, I, I don't know. Like the, just that experience, that whole experience of going to the movies is, is, is fun, you know, if, if it's a good movie, but uh, I, I took it as generational, like, wow. And then we can kind of see that theaters are dying a little bit and, you know, it's all about streaming and, and uh, shorter stories. Oh, this movie's two hours long. I don't know if I want to get into that tonight, you know, or I don't know. You know, when you're at home, too, it gets broken up because of I got to go to the bathroom or I need something to eat or you want another glass of wine or whatever it is. And uh, I don't know. It's just a different thing. Different. The short I agree with the novella comment, you know, like uh, people want shorter stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely still get into big ones. I do. Um, I wish that I could break away from the Goodreads challenge. I think that is like a major problem for me because it's like even, you know, I, I'm an adult. I'm aware that I have all this other stuff going on, but it's like if I fall behind on that, it starts to bother me. I don't even challenge like, myself. 
That's smart. I'm, I'm going to just not. I would like to go back real quick because Chad Lutsky had the comment that Steve is the Bob Ross of YouTube, and I would like to agree with that. I second that. I second that. Very calming. Well, thank you. For, it's very kind of you to say. I haven't had sure. time to read a lot of these. I saw Leslie. Hi, Leslie. And I saw Erica, too. But I just, we've been doing so much talking. I haven't had time to read a lot of these. And I, it's great that everybody showed up. Yeah, Erica that's said, very appreciated. Uh, Erica said, how spooky would it have been if Mike popped back on and the mannequin had moved? <laughs> Not a mannequin, just so you know. That's my wife. She's She's been gone for a while. No, just kidding. <laughs> I have a feeling she would have something to say. Yeah. That. Yeah. She's not home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say that I think going to the movies now is a different experience because of technology. So now you go out and there, you know, there's people on their phones and they're talking or they have their screen. As, yeah. So it's not as, as enjoyable as it used to be. I am trying right. really hard to like live more in the moment and not be so distracted by that stuff like because i don't want to spend the whole movie being irritated you know because it's like i don't i don't feel i, I know these people like aren't doing it specifically to piss me off but the last one i went to there was this couple there's like nobody in the theater and they came and like sat in my row and then kept moving closer and then they spent the int literally the entire movie talking and yeah. i would have gotten it if it was about the movie like i don't require full silence you can be like holy shit. you know i don't care and like did you see i don't care about that but like the give it back to me give it back i said i was like okay then then you need to go both of you need to just go like go have an argument yeah. else they but don't make any money like, those not... theaters either like they just they're like no, my no. theater it's an amc and it's like it's got the reclining chairs and everything and they I, let's say seven eight years ago they put leather seats in you know like like mm -hmm. whoa they we're redoing it because we want people to come back to the movies and like okay that's that's it's really nice and then covid and everything and then i go into the theater <laughs> and there's a mouse running around you know it's okay. like yeah <laughs> they just don't have the people or the i think hollywood takes all the money and they don't get any of it yeah um we're we'll be lucky to have you know, it's going to become a niche thing, I think, is movies movies in, in the theaters. I mean, everybody's getting 50. I have a 55-inch TV. I got it last year for, you know, $1,000 for five payments of $200. And most people can, you know, finagle something like that for if you're never going to leave your house. And that's your entertainment. Uh, but, uh, you know, so if, if I have a 55 and other people have 75s, I mean, why, why leave and pay... 50 bucks for three people to go to the movies, you know, and oh, then you're going to own it in a month. If you, if you liked it, you know, but there's still, it's, I will say that my most, and this is why too, like I was able to kind of, and actually it was a great movie. I went to go see um, the invitation, which was super, super good. I highly recommend it. It was really, really good. I'm not even much of uh, that genre. I'm going to try not to spoil it, but I think the first trailer spoiled the shit out of it. So I won't uh, add to that. Um, but I feel like for me, like, and that's why, like, I, I was mildly annoyed when they got to the whole, like, you know, give it back, whatever. I was like, you guys are not eight. Like, you, you need to stop. But I was also like, they're, they're experiencing it in their way. Like, cause that's the other thing. It's like, I'm 40. I'm not that generation. And, you know, maybe they come here all the time and there's no one in there. And this time they come in and there's some 40 year old lady over there looking irritable, you know, with a air boot up on, up on the other seat in front of her. So 
it's, you know, part of it is just like experiencing it the way that, that you do like personally. And I know like for me, a big part of it, especially it was pre pandemic. And then during the pandemic, when I felt a little bit safer, um, that's like the only way to get away. Um, is, you know, I would take a day off work and uh, watch my son in the morning and then go to the, you know, I, if I could, I would go to a theater and it was like, I'd be like one of only a couple people in there. It's like totally silent. I don't even care what I'm watching, but it's the solitude of it. And the, and this is weird though, but it's like, it's the solitude that I sort of like when there's a couple other people in there because you're experiencing, I don't know, there's something about the, the shared experience of a dark movie theater. Oh um, Yeah. I, I remember I went, I saw, like, sometimes I couldn't find somebody to go to the movie, and I went and saw Aliens Alone, you know, like, I was like, whoa, like, it's, uh, it's the experience of that, and then another one I went to alone was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, which was, mm-hmm. was good, too, and there was something about, like, buying that ticket alone, and, you know, you know, being in, in the theater with other people you don't know, and, and, um, you don't have to go alone, obviously, but yeah, the, the movies have always been dear to me. And I, I saw Halloween in the theater originally. I saw Dawn of the Dead. Um, yeah, I'll just never, you know, forget that. And, and it's too bad. I hope they don't go away. I hope they don't either. Um, I really love that they're re-releasing some of the older stuff in theaters yeah. now, which is cool because there's like some of that stuff that, of course, I can't ever... <laughs> get a way to watch it. So all the way, like when they had Jaws come back out, I still yeah. want to see that, but getting it set up, was just kind of, I've seen that so many times and, and uh, yeah, they, they, and it was in 3d too, I think. So Jaws, not, not Jaws three in 3d, but Jaws in 3d. That would have been cool. I didn't, I missed it. What's your uh, favorite horror movie, Wendy? What's your, your go-to horror movie? Uh, well, ask me my favorite kid, I guess. Um, uh, My go-to. <laughs> okay. So I would have to break it down into genres, honestly. Um, but like creature feature, slasher, whatnot. I, I typically don't, I, I like slashers, I suppose. Um, my, my most favorite contemporary one is It Follows. Oh, um, yes. I love that one. I think oh, that's good. like, that's like my favorite kind of psychological creature feature. Also social commentary, all kind of wrapped into one. That's like, one of my favorite movies that's come out in the last, I think, probably 10 years. But I really also love the original Scream. Like, that was, I was a teenager when that came out. I begged my mom to go to movies to see it, and they wouldn't let me in to go see it by myself, so she had to go and watch it with me. Um, and so it, that's, that was one of the movies that really got me into horror film. Like, I've already been watching Candyman and other stuff, but, like, as a teenager, that's not really resonated with me definitely it follows the score too oh amazing yeah that was very original too that was different you know that got you thinking you were like what's going to happen that was that was good yeah good jump scares just uh good and original original all all over yeah let me ask you something about that one too because i because so when i watched it um you know, I really felt like it was super effective in large part because of the way that it's passed, right? It's, I, and and I was very surprised uh, after I'd watched it to read some of the stuff and people were saying like, oh, it's um, social commentary, like, you know, trying to make it seem like, uh, 
like sex is evil and it's like punishable. I was like, I didn't take it that way because they didn't, there wasn't a judgment on having sex in general. It was more just that like, to me, what was frightening was like, this is a thing that a large percentage of the population does in particular, like it's something that's very appealing when you're very young and, you know, you live at home and you have to like finagle ways and, and all this kind of thing. I didn't take it as, as any sort of a criticism in that fashion, but I was mm -hmm. curious what y'all's take was on it. Yeah. I, I didn't see it as a criticism, criticism on, on sex. I saw it more of a, like a, as far as being intimate with people, friendships, romantic, platonic, whatever, when you're, when you are that vulnerable with somebody, like it's romantic, but it's also terrifying. Right. And that's like why romance and horror kind of go hand in hand, because when you're in those kind of relationships, you're trusting the person that you're with not to hurt you. And like, and it follows, you, you don't know, but they are passively hurting you and it comes back to haunt you. And so, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't personally see it as a criticism on sex so much as a, as a, like, you just never know who you're, who you're going to trust, like who to trust really. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of like everybody, everybody has sex, but you know, it, it's also a sin and, uh, the movie's kind of like, um, having sex with somebody and you know, you have a venereal disease. You know, it's like it's there's a moral question to it, kind of a thing. Like the the girl tries to get rid of it that way or whatever. But you know, I just think it put us all in the same boat. We could all relate to, um, you know, the choice you have to make when you have sex. I guess. But well, just the I mean, to me, I feel like what makes a lot of those things so scary is is like you know something that it's like whoa I wouldn't necessarily have had a defense to this you know it's like you can maybe look at certain things and say well i wouldn't get killed in this slasher because i wouldn't go to this deserted you know whatever or i wouldn't stay in the haunted house so i'd be fine but but you know it, it's just like it's something i guess it it just felt like something that was so unknowable and so universal that yeah. I, I felt mm -hmm. like that was what was effective about it you know? mm -hmm. yeah yeah major points for originality it was good yeah. i would say that, my favorite of the last 10 years were sinister hmm. hereditary and mama was mama the one with jennifer lawrence trusting or, no? or uh, jessica chastain jessica chastain yeah. yeah. okay i'm thinking it wrong about and it's a guillermo del toro produced and the guy that directed uh what's his i forget his name it, yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Anthony or Antonio or uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm a blanking on his name, but yeah, it's yeah. the same director. Yeah. Right, right. I need yeah, to Well that. done. And then especially the scene where like Mama is coming to get a guy and it's in a dark room and he drops his camera and it's like three flash bulbs, you know, three flashes and you see her like across the room and then here and then in your face, you know, it's like it was cool. That's that's effective. Yeah. I, I, the stop motion stuff really still messes with yeah. me quite a bit. And you can picture like not being able to see except when the flash goes off, and then <laughs> this looks awesome. How did I not know about you this? Mama? Like, still, I haven't even ever heard of it. Oh, you like Mama? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's creepy looking. Oh, yeah. I love that. Are you a fan of Mama, Wendy? I th I think I'm remembering it. Is it with the two little girls that were yeah. um yeah. and the, the it was like a ghost mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that one. 
<laughs> so I watch so many horror movies. They all kind of like I have to like remember the names too. You know, they start to blend together sometimes. Yeah. Well, like I think you were thinking of Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, yes, that's one I was thinking about. Oh yeah, I didn't really like that one. It's not a horror. I didn't want to see it, but and and not because I think it'd be bad, but I'm like, no, I actually know all about the devaluation of mothers and all that kind of shit. I think I'm good. Yeah. And it's got a weird scene where it's like, I don't know, like a camera falls right through a crowd getting punched and it's like fake and real. Uh, like, I don't know. It's weird. Didn't really like that. Very ambitious, though. Yeah, he's a good director. He did um, Requiem for a Dream, right? Mm -hmm. And then The Fountain. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, same director. Okay. Uh, did, Darren, I wonder if Aronofsky, is that Aronofsky, his name? Yeah. Did uh, I wonder if Clint Mansell did the score for that? Because he did it for both the Fountain and. Um, so have you all seen the Fountain? Yes, it's excellent. Oh my I, god! It's so good. Oh, it's like one of my favorites. Yeah, it's so good. It's unbelievable. Like I like to just watch it every so often, just for like the the aesthetics of it and the emotion and just the way that they captured all that. And, I don't know. I feel like it's something that like. I don't want to say that it would necessarily help everybody, but I feel like if I was dealing with like impending grief or something, I would like to go back and watch it. I have to see that again then. I'll, I'll, I need to write that down. I don't even know if I've seen that. So, too shit. Soundtrack is so good. Oh, God. It's oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I wrote to that for like the longest time. Just... Oh, good. I have a Spotify thing. I'll add that to it. Yeah. Really, really good. Really good. Do you uh, listen to music when you write, Wendy? Do you put on different music for different genres? If, it, if I, it has words, um, like, you know, lyrics, it's hard. It kind of, like, distracts me from my writing. But I try to find, like, ambient type, like, forest cafe, you know, twinkling wind chimes, like, that sort of stuff. Like, anything that would be, like, white noise, I'll, I'll usually listen to. That's funny. My next book has wind chimes. <laughs> <laughs> were you listening to wind chimes when you wrote it i'm still writing it. i just started it actually but now i might maybe there's a haunting wind chimes channel. oh i'm sure there's a haunting wind chimes <laughs> yeah i should do that i'm always curious this time of year do do you do you all notice your sales go up for horror during this like fall halloween october do you notice that there's more interest in that genre in the month of October, November. I think there I probably is from, from people that um, read widely or that people that don't typically read horror will pick it up this time of year for sure. I don't I don't know that I've been in it long enough to be able to make a determination like that. But it I mean, it does occur to me. It's like, again, where and it, it still honestly seriously blows me away that my books are in bookstores. Like, that's a very recent development. Um, and it's really cool because a lot of them are doing their Halloween displays. And um, Trevor Henderson did a, just a magnificent cover for Below. So, like, I'm getting some uh, face-out treatment that I may not otherwise have. So I think that may um, this year have an effect on it. Um, so, but, but I mean, it's still, <laughs> it's just my, one of my favorite things about this time of year is, mm -hmm. is these Halloween displays everywhere you go. You know, like I love to take my son to the independent bookstore here and they always have these like tables full of like kids Halloween books and they'll like scoop a bunch up for him and, uh, and then go upstairs and scoop a bunch for me. And then 
glare at the spot where my book should be and isn't, but then buy something anyway. <laughs> I feel the same way. Like I, I haven't been in it long enough to like, you know, see a bump or whatever. And plus it's been, I think my last book came out May of 2020. So, you know, it, it, interest wanes um but that doesn't mean that it can't come back if your next book is good or your three books from now is good so i don't know what number uh when what, what was bird box for josh mellerman like was that his first book was it his no book or that was was it his first published one i don't know i don't know but you know i don't when i think i think i've heard through the grapevine and it may not be true but that when Obviously, when that hit, everybody's like, oh, I need to check him out. And then he, you know, it, it kind of mm -hmm. like the rising tide rose all of the boats. Hmm. It, yes. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I can't stop myself from like wanting to go look up that. I'd like to know. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like a career maker, you know, like you could. I mean, if you have 30 books or whatever he has and then one of you, one of them hits and then you know you get a bunch of readers out of that i mean it seemed bird box was his first one was oh. it yeah and he has like over 30. yeah well yeah i don't think they're all in print though i think that's the thing is he's got a ton of them that um and that's such an interesting problem to have too but but it's true <laughs> like you you have to be concerned about like saturating the market to an extent um that was a question i asked not long ago and uh Brian Keene ended up actually addressing it uh, and basically came up with the answer that for a year was the, was the sweet spot. I'm like, I don't think I have to worry about exceeding that. No. No. <laughs> it's not a chance. There's no sugar on my horizon. It's nothing uh. sweet about <laughs> my pace. And I was Wait, you know, also, how long have you been? Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. No, go ahead. No, Laura, go ahead. I was just curious how, how long uh, you've been doing it, Wendy. Um, well, I wrote my first story for Scribd, I believe, in 2019, and that was, I started out publishing, I wrote, um, I self-published, I believe, in 2019, a collection of short stories that I've since unpublished, um, horror, like a like horror anthology called Florida Gothic, and I've since unpublished that, because it's not representative of the way that I write now, but um, so I started out writing horror short stories, and then I jumped to writing romance novellas in 2019, and I've I have a lot. I have a lot because uh, the way that I write with script is very fast and furious. And so I've got a lot of romance out there, but not quite as much horror. Like I published my first horror novella last year. So I came out in 2019 as well, and I have three. <laughs> Same pretty much. <laughs> Whispers yeah, you were in 2018, right? So. You were like. Yeah, like December of 2018. Yeah. So very, very late. Hmm. But. Yeah, I, I, the the romance um, genre and industry interests me so much because of the the loyalty of the readership, and and I really get that. Um, a long time ago, I used to uh, read um, Harlequins, and I was like on some oh like book you know subscription or whatever, and I get like a certain amount every month, and I would just like just roll through them, and it's like I, I know that some of them can be formulaic, but to an extent, it's a, it can be a very, very enjoyable formula. Um, my biggest beef, I think, is like the bizarre necessity for all the women to be virgins regardless of age. And I'm like, look, yeah, I'm rude, but it seems like it's more likely there'd be like old 
subdued virgins. Yeah. And the thing that, I think the thing that kind of turned me away from romance as a younger reader was that that very old school romance mentality. But today's romance is so different. It's so, so much more inclusive. There's you don't have to get married and have a baby at the end of every story. It's like so many different types of romances that it really appeals more to me now. Huh. Do you have anybody that you recommend um, that? Um, It depends on what you're looking for. If you're like a lot of people like to read historical versus contemporary or rom-coms or dark romance, like there's such a wide variety. But like um, I like to read a lot of different indie authors um, for romance because like with indie horror, like there's there's less boundaries. There's just like more possibilities of the way they can write and all that sort of stuff. Um, But yeah, I'd have to get back to you on, on that one for a list. I'll DM you later. (laughs) (laughs) I just always like to ask the horror authors if they've ever experienced anything that's inspired their stories, whether it was paranormal, you had an explanation for it or not. Was there ever anything that you experienced that kind of inspired one of your stories? Not all at once. (laughs) Mike, you want to go first? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I I have not. um, But my story was written about a property that I used to live at. So the house, the barn, the, the, the hidden grove in the woods and the pond and, and the field, it was all like a real place. So it was very easy to write about it. Um, but as far as supernatural stuff, I have not. I think I, I definitely have. It's, it, it's my opinion that that's what it, it was. Um, but I always like, you know, the caveat that I can totally see reaching the afterlife and someone being like, wow, you're so full of shit, you know, <laughs> obviously earthly, you know, whatever. Um, but I feel like there's a, there is a feel to it to me for some time, you know, for some things like you can definitely scare yourself. Um, well, what, sure. happened? Like, what happened? Well, it's, I mean, there's like, there's been a number of them, honestly. Um, the a lot of them are kind of benign. I'm Southern. So we tend to get visited by our family members shortly after they pass away. Um, definitely had a lot of that, which again was very benign. Um, but also very just there, there's just, I know I'm not even going to try and deny it. Um, or talk myself out of it, but there was, uh, there was a house that we lived in when we moved to Tennessee, I was, I think 17 or 18 and my sister was three years younger. Um, and it was me and her and my mother living like on top of this mountain in Andersonville, Tennessee. It's like this bizarre house, like huge and really weirdly overrun with ladybugs. I don't understand, it, which you would think like ladybugs are nice, not 8 billion of them. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, and what my sister and I actually compared notes about it later. We weren't really talking at the time because we were teenagers and irritable. Um, but, uh, there was something that used to come to me at night and it wasn't every night. Um, but the room that I selected for myself had, it was on the third floor and it had a little like alcove sort of thing attached to it. And I got a very bad feeling from that place. And I had originally going to, was going to store stuff in there. I was like, no, I'm not even going to open that door. It's a weird, tiny door. I don't understand it. I'm just going to put stuff in front of it. Um, but there were times that I would wake at night and it was really weird. We were very isolated. And so there was, I don't guess it was a street light, but it was kind of a spotlight that was out like in the, you know, a little bit further away, but it shined in my window. And, um, 
sometimes there would be like a shadow figure, like standing over my bed. And I would know that it was there because it was blocking the light um, from the, you know, from the big spotlight outside, like you could see it around it. And it was like a darkness that just was thicker than the shadow around it. And there was one night that it, um, thing was it always was right between me and my lamp. <laughs> so like to get to my light, I'd have had to like reach through it around it. And there was one night that I woke up and it was standing over me and just like, I was just too afraid to move and just infinitesimally it kept leaning just closer and closer and closer and further and further down until finally I like just lost my shit and just like jumped up and ran around it, you know, and, and went downstairs and spent the night on the couch. But, um, I, it's one of those things you're a teenager. Um, and you know, in the light of day, you don't necessarily want to tell anybody about it. And so I didn't really say anything. Um, but later when my sister and I would talk, like she was the one, she was like, okay, so I know this is going to sound crazy. Sometimes I would wake up and there would be this like dark feeling like, fuck, oh God, oh. it was real. It was bothering you too. Yeah. So I don't know what that, but you know, so this is fun though, because I like, you want to figure, at least I do, that if you have some kind of weird presence, that it's, that there's an atmosphere to it, right? And that there's going to be some history to the place. Like somebody died there, somebody suffered there, some, you know, something that leaves that behind, that there's that connection. It was like a seven-year-old house. Like it had had one owner who was running it to us and he was a jackass, but he wasn't dead. And, uh, nobody, you know, there, nobody died there. There was no history. There was no anything in Indian burial ground. That's, that's the, that's the old eighties yeah. answer to absolutely yeah. everything yeah. That, you know, that happened. But, um, I actually think I've come more around to the idea that I think there's definitely, I, I, I believe fully in ghosts. Absolutely. Believe in ghosts. Um, but I also think that there are certain things that can be almost more of a, like a projection of, and not even necessarily evil, but like real, like bad. Yes, sir. Are you coming? You gonna come? We're gonna have a visitor. Hi, Hi Tiny. Hey, Tiny. Take the headphones out so he can read. Come here. Hi, Tiny. Maple cookie. That's awesome. Here, you wanna say hi for a sec? These are my friends. This is Steve. This is Wendy. And that's Mike. You want to say hi? Hi. 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 <laughs> you go like mommy. School? Yeah, he does. He's my mini. Yeah. Um, I have, um, my daddy has said they have to say, um, I don't know. You don't know? Okay. <laughs> All right, go get you some maple cookies. Frank says this conversation's over. <laughs> 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 made him laugh. Right? <laughs> uh, my son's here too, Sorry. but he's 28. I don't think you want him on here. You don't want him to come sit in your lap? No. No. <laughs> I don't think he wants to either. <laughs> what about you, Wendy? Have you had any weird experiences? Um. <sighs> I'm I'm kind of the opposite of Laurel in that I'm very science minded and I always try to find a way to explain everything away with science so that I don't freak myself out in real life. But I have definitely had experiences. I think I think probably everybody has where they you know seen something and it, it but um I haven't incorporated that into my my work so much as um I do have my um my story they come from the water was sort of um, inspired by 
um, in that story, it's two sisters that have to go and clean out their late grandparents' home. And my own parents just recently did that with her parents' home, my grandparents' home, and just kind of like the grief of unloading a family home and the things that you discover and find. Um, I think there's something that a lot of people will probably have to experience in their lifetime. And, and it's like, like just that was, that was something that had inspired me from my real life that I had translated into a story. We, we should have a ghost hunting team. It'd be perfect. You're the skeptic. I'm the full believer. We'll be on AMC in no time. No time. I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah. I know, uh, I know you, everyone has a commitment, so I don't want to keep you uh, over our time, but Laura, I have to ask, how's the foot? It's better. It's better. I did I did get downgraded to a brace, so I, I don't have to wear the boot of doom anymore. So that's Yay. fun. <laughs> and, uh, and Wendy, I want to give us a very special thanks because you're dealing with a lot there in Florida, and we know you're dealing with a ton of stuff. So Yeah, well, uh, I'm really you. happy to be on and talking with you all and having the distraction from, from everything that's going on. So thank you. Yeah, yeah good luck. Everyone's safe. Best of luck. Yeah. And everyone go grab Wendy's new books. She's got her Halloween love story coming that came out today. Mm -hmm. And Rosa Park is coming out tomorrow. And it's yeah, thank it's you. Good. Thanks, Laurel. Yeah, everyone's links are in the description. So go pick up everybody's books on the panel. I uh, just want to get a couple of comments in. Daniel says, you know, Laurel kept mentioning 40. And I was like, that's weird. She doesn't look like she could be older than I am. <laughs> then I remember that I'm also 40. Coincidentally, you know who else is 40? A celebrity? Take uh, it. I'll, uh, you won't guess. It's Britney Spears. Oh, oh that makes sense, though. Yeah. We kind of yeah. came up together. I mean, obviously had very yeah. similar lives, you know. Had, had You're both on the Mickey Mouse Club. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have your first uh, watcher. Erica said she'd watch the Ghost Hunting. All right, team. let's go. So I do. I love Ghost Hunting. Like I, there are so many places I want to check out. So we'll just have to plot us a little, a little map, like between you and me. I'll meet you halfway. All right. Awesome. I'll let you get settled in Florida. <laughs> it's uh, funny you guys mentioned that uh, Angel from Voices from Miles and Liam just did a ghost hunting thing. So she did like a... Yeah. Did she put that up yet? Is it is it available I to watch? don't think so, but I think she's uh, working on it. But yeah, Sweet. I just saw the short. So Awesome. Yeah. Um, so before we go, uh, Wendy, can you tell everyone how to contact you? Where's your preferred platform? Absolutely. Well, I'm on Twitter um, at Wendy underscore Dalrymple. Um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook page, but I don't really take too much on it. I'm also on TikTok. Um, I am enjoying TikTok. Uh, that's kind of fun. So you can find me there also under Wendy Dalrymple. There's not too many of me. So, um, and then my books are available on Amazon, uh, Apple iBooks, Barnes and Noble, everywhere you like to purchase books. Yeah. Be sure and support uh, the launch that's tomorrow, right? I'm, my days are yeah. messed up. Tomorrow, yeah. yes. So be sure and, and get it. my pre-order is in, so I'm ready for it. Thanks, Steve. And Laurel, where's the best place to find you? Twitter. I, I have a, I'm a very out-of-date website that I need to work on, but the contact form does work. Um, but I'm on Twitter, like, so much. So it's just at Hightower Laurel. Um, and then I am on TikTok, too. No, I'm not very good at it. I not only hold books in an inverted fashion, but I hold them upside down. <laughs> <laughs> You're it's, on it's talk tick. Tick. It's <laughs> talk tick. Talk tick. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael, when can uh, when can we expect your new your book? You said April, right? Yeah, April 2023. I don't know the exact date yet, but that's what I've been told. And 
I'm excited. I hope you will be too. And I've I'm, been excited about that one. I know. I appreciate you. that too. And I, yeah. and I want to see, uh, read uh, Silent Key. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. From Flame Tree Press? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'll be fall of next year. Yes. And where's fall? the best place to, okay. yeah. Where's the best to find you, uh, Michael? MichaelClarkBooks.com. And I'm on Twitter as MikeClarkBooks. Cool. Again, everyone's links are down below in the description. So uh, click the links and it'll take you to everyone's work. Be sure and support everybody. So thank you so much, everybody. I know all of you have different things going on. Wendy, thank you again for. Yeah, thank by. you. It's nice to meet all of you. You as well. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Always everybody. Fun. Hope everyone has a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Y'all too.